Hey, great to, to be here with you uh, this morning. And last week we actually um, had a real celebration for um, for our youth pastors. So it was we just wanted to show you that. We weren't able to bring that to you last week. So just to really kind of put a bow on the fact that we have some amazing new youth pastors here at Thrive Church. So it's going to be cool. It's, it's going to be awesome. Uh, for our youth ministry, um, God's got some incredible things ahead, and I love the, I love the uh, the picture of the baton change, um, and and you know we're all called to actually run with a baton of sorts, aren't we? Like God's got a baton, and He's got a, a call for our lives, and He's got a purpose for your life, and and that is uh, in the church, and that is out of the church, and that is in, in your family, and that's in your, you know, it's in every sphere of your life. And and speaking of in the church, um, we, we really, um, we need your help, you know, to make Thrive happen. Is that, can, can I get an amen? Like this is not a, this is not a kind of like a front row show here. Uh, and, and it's not just up to the guys, the, the geniuses down the back on, on tech. And, and you know, you're, we were all greeted by someone incredible at the door uh, today, weren't we? And, and, and yes, and, and then we, um, some of us have got our children over in the um, children's ministry and uh, just bringing the love there. And, and we've got life groups um, that have been led by people. And, and so, you know, they're all running with a baton. And, 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 and I want to just extend that invitation for our whole church to run with a baton. Um, I want to extend that invitation for if, if you want to be a part of a life group for a start and you're not connected into a, a family hub within our Thrive Church family, um, I want to extend that invitation to you. Make sure you see Kerry or Info or someone out there today. We've actually got a sign-up um, yeah, outside today. If you're not a part of a life group, we'd love to invite you into that. If you would love to serve in a way, um, we would love to say, hey, you know, how can we help you? Yes, of course, we, you, could, you could serve here, here, or here. Uh, and and with, with serving here at Thrive, we always kind of frame it around what is your yes, um, it's not like, you know, once we've got your name down, you are locked in for life and you're not getting out of that. No, we would like to, we do have a six week roster still. I think that's right. That's right. And um, so over that period of six weeks, we would love to see everyone really involved in the life of this church serving in some expression. That would be a goal for us. Um, and so that could be one Sunday, that could be multiple Sundays, one service, both services, you know, so if, you, if you've got um, like something just kind of like going, yeah, I think I could do that, you can do that, and uh, make sure that you inundate Kerry after the service with your names. Thank you very much. Uh, all right, amen, wasn't that a great Sunday? No, uh, <laughs> So um, we're in the service, uh, in the service, you're in the service, we're actually in the series, that's what I meant to say, um, called The Lamp Within. And uh, we are looking at God's flame burning in our innermost being. We're, we're, we're talking about, you know, our hearts, our vision, what we're hearing over this next uh, few weeks. And, and Neville brought an amazing word last week. Debbie's going to be preaching next week. And then Daz is actually finishing off the service, uh, um, the series, I keep saying service, <laughs> finishing off the series uh, in a couple of weeks. I um, just want to start today uh, by just telling on myself a little bit, actually. Um, as a 19-year-old, um, I, I did uh, competitive racing sailing, and I haven't talked about this for years, um, but that was kind of like, you know, what I did on Sundays, actually, and I loved sailing competitively. I was down on the WiMAC, 
uh, mouth um, sailing there. And I was actually chosen to represent Canterbury in the class of uh, my boat that I sailed. And, and with that deal, it was actually a really amazing deal. I had my boat, um, so it was my boat. I was, had to race my boat in the, in the Nationals. And um, with that deal came this um, opportunity for my boat to be completely redecked, to be taken down to, to racing weight. Um, and that would make it as fast as it could be. Um, I had a great boat. It was the number three. It was the third one in its class ever made. So it was actually quite a, it was an antique, but it was an incredible boat. And I love that boat. And <laughs> it was so good. Um, and so I said, yep, let's go. This is a great opportunity. And then at that time in my life, I was also trying to figure out who I was in the heck of this world and like what's going on and 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 actually over that over that time while my boat was being redecked i just really kind of lost my way and actually walked away from many good things um that were going on in my world at that moment and um and there was this amazing man though who was working on my boat his name was bill and while i was you know like not not being and doing what i you know should have been doing and and um, so he's working away on that, and um, I'm just kind of like, you know, doing my own own thing. And, and then a year or so goes by, actually a year goes by, and I ignore, over this time, I ignore all these phone calls from yacht clubs. Um, I, just, I just wouldn't pick up the phone. I'm like, I'm just avoiding that whole thing, right? I'm just like doing what I do. And I ignored Bill, and I ignored... Um, Ron Mackey as well, who was an amazing um, older man, and, and he was a real mentor to me in sailing, and, and um, just ignored all that and just went on with my life. And then a year or so went by, and I uh, was in such a hole, I actually surrendered my life to Christ. Oh, that was a good idea. So, um, and I, I gave him lordship over my life. I was like, God, I've tried Christianity now, because I had tried Christianity. And I, I had that reference point that he's my saviour, right. And that's cool, And because I, I needed a lot of forgiveness. <laughs> and and it'll just, you know, I just keep going every Sunday, you know, and I'd be on the altar every Sunday, like, yeah, I give my life to Jesus again. And, um, and but when I came back to Christ as a 21-year-old, I was like, I'm giving you the whole shakapoodle. Like, it's lordship. You've got a plan and a purpose for my life, and I suck at inventing my life, my own, my own, you know, strength. I need, I need you, Jesus. And so I surrendered my life to Christ um, completely. And then God started speaking into my heart like he'd never spoken before. Uh, and it was more about damage control. Uh, <laughs> I was like, are you going to get some things right with people? Like, you know, you've got a really jealous, competitive spirit with your younger brother, and you need to write him a letter and just say, ask for forgiveness. And so I did that. Um, hey, hey, uh, you know, your money, it's um, not all yours, you know, that's, um, and you know, I got introduced to this concept of generosity and tithing and, and giving and all that sort of things. And then in the, in the course of it, um, God started speaking to me about my lack of integrity in regards to my beautifully restored boat <laughs> that had actually been dropped off back at my parents' place. Still hadn't talked to anyone a year and a half or whatever it was later. Um, and, uh, you know, God just started messing with me and just saying, you need to go and apologize to Bill and you need to give him about $1,000, I think it was, for, for the work he's, he's put into that. 
And um, I did. I remember just going up to his door, knocking on his door one day and just saying, I'm so sorry, Bill. Um, I messed up. Here's a thousand bucks for all your time. And, and, um, and I walked away from that knowing that I'd done the right thing. I knew that my conscience was relieved. And the other part of this was that my spirit remained soft to the, to the voice of God. You know, when we start saying no so many times to God, our heart becomes hard and he stops speaking. Something that I learned early on, I'm so thankful to, is to uh, is this walk of obedience with Christ. Because the, the more obedient you are, the softer your spirit becomes and the more in tune we are with his voice. Jesus said this in John 14, 23, if anyone, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. In some translations, it says, anyone who loves me will obey my commands. Because, you know, who knows that Jesus is always calling us into a walk of convenience with him. Is that right? No, he's, he's calling us into a walk of obedience with him. Loving Jesus isn't based on, on whether what is being required of me is convenient or not for me. And the win here, though, is that obedience to Christ always increases the level of freedom that we have in our lives, which is such an oxymoron to the world because we're like, oh, obedience, that's just another boundary. That's just another I can't. That's just not another thing telling me that the, my rights are being, you know, squashed. But actually, because God knows we need boundaries, boundaries come with freedom in the kingdom. Romans 8.14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So being led by the Spirit of God is an expression of who, of actually being a child of God. Being a child of God is someone who is led by the Spirit of God. God. And this is a freedom walk. This is a freedom walk. And I love Psalm 119. It says somewhere in there that David's like, his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so today I just want to, you know, hopefully share a few nuggets about um, keeping our personal walk and our faith step in sync with his spirit and his word this morning. I just want to, I want to speak a little bit from Luke chapter 1 here, and, and this is just, I want to open up uh, John the Baptist's birth, and he's, he was born about six months before Jesus, and um, so there's this moment in Luke 1 where John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, he's serving as a priest um, at the temple, and um, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, and so naturally, you know, when an angel appears to someone, like, he is in terrified. And then in verse 13, as, as we hear so many times in angelic encounters in the Bible, um, you know, it's like, hey, don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. See, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, had been praying. Your prayer has been heard. And maybe that's a, that's a, that's a word for someone today. Your prayer has been heard. And, 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 and the, the, the answer was that you will have a son, and you are to call him John. And then in verse 15, the angel continues, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. 
He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in spirit and in power of Elijah. And turn the hearts of the parents to their children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of righteousness to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That is amazing. Prophetic declaration. And then in Matthew 3.11, John's ministering years later and he says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals are not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. <laughs> like fire is different from the Holy Spirit? What? Yeah, anyway. Uh, so, you know, John, he, he would become this full prophetic package. His, his, his message was about reconnecting generations, fathers to sons, mothers to daughters. He was like, hey, it's time generations to be looking down. It's about to, time to be raising up children. It was a call to holiness and obedience. And it was essentially, he was to clear the way for Jesus to come. But before all that happened, before John was on the scene, this angel's talking to Zechariah. And in verse 18, it says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well long in years. And the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent. And not able to speak until this day have uh, until the day this happens, because you do not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And the paraphrased Greek for this is basically: if you can't say anything intelligent, don't say it. Uh, <laughs> like just shut your mouth, Zechariah. Right? Then, staying in Luke chapter one, let's contrast Zechariah with Mary, because. This is just, just down the page in, in, in verse 32. And, 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 and Gabriel prophesies to her that as a virgin, she will give birth to a son and call him Jesus. And not only that, he will be great and he will be called the son of the Most High and that the Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. And then Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your words to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. See, Mary immediately partnered with the Word of God into her life. This Word, I mean, yeah, while Mary became the son of God, uh, the mother of, of God, and, and this Word, but this is not a convenient Word for her. She's going to get married. This would not enhance her lifestyle. Um, this would change her whole life direction. This would create uncertainty in her future, yet Mary embraced and received this as the word of the Lord for her. But Zechariah, he'd been praying for a, he'd been praying for a son, but he and he challenged the prophetic word, and then a holy silence was issued over his unbelieving mouth. And I've just, there's so much we could just unpack from this. But one of the things that I just thought of is that perhaps in this space, Zechariah learned again to listen to the whispers of God. 
to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Revelations 29, uh, 2 verse 29 says, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, the Holy Spirit has a voice to His people. And it's not just the guy with the microphone on a Sunday morning, right? This is like to His people, to the church. He wants to speak to His people. And, and I know that at any one time, I've had a lot of voices happening in my head. It's just a wee confession at times, don't we? Like, you know, I've got, well, I've got my own voice. I've got my own inner dialogue. I've got, sometimes I've got Debbie's voice, just like, you know, <laughs> go that way, Glenn. You're being impulsive again. Uh, I got the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's in there. And, and actually, the devil can have a voice into our head. And there can be a lot of noise going on up there. And, and, and I guess at least it's not an echo chamber. But, you know, with all the voices that are in our head, we need the gift of discernment. We need to be able to filter out what is our voice. What's my wife's voice? <laughs> You know, what, what's the voice of the Holy Spirit? What's the, what's the devil's voice? And we're going to tame that dialogue to be able to stay true to the word of the Lord in our life and season. And, um, you know, Jesus says this thing about the devil. He calls him the father of lies. He's the father of lies. And, and I don't know, I mean, I've, I've heard some lies. His speciality is condemnation, accusation. But then at the same time, he, he often likes to remind us of our worldly entitlements. <laughs> you know, he, he just wants to stir up offense. He wants to create an offended spirit in our lives that is insecure, condemned. <laughs> that's, that's, and he drives us. He wants to drive us and become enslaved to these kind of dialogues. And if we consider that every voice in our head that we're listening to is truth, then we will be open and vulnerable to deception. That's just how it is. Because if the devil has our ear, you know, he has a gateway to our heart. He really does. John 10, Jesus says this, But my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So this is the same way you know this is if if the holy spirit has our ear and jesus has our attention then he has the gateway to our heart and jesus's voice is usually in the whisper it's usually in the quiet he's the still small voice and his voice is the voice that is going to be drawing our lives towards faith hope and love and if you're struggling to think of your future in the light of faith, hope, and love, then maybe it's time for you to be still again and allow the Spirit of God to magnify what is dear and true to his, uh, to Him. Um, let me share a testimony. Last week, um, I was talking with someone here who reminded me of a prayer that I prayed for them uh, around three years ago. And they were, they were actually wanting to step away from an alcohol addiction and I prayed over them that the smell of alcohol would become repugnant to you right now in the name of Jesus. 
and that immediately happened for them. And by the grace of God, that became a change point and they were able to stop drinking and, and be, become free from being a slave to alcohol. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> and that, um, that was such an encouragement to me. And, and it wasn't because I said the right words or the magic words or the, because I was the pastor or because those things. It was because I just caught something that was in the spirit and in the heart of God and I was responding in commission, in obedience with what he was saying. That's the power of our words. That's the power of hearing the whispers of, um, of heaven, really. And, 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 and the other part of that is that this person had a desire for obedience. They had a, a desire to be free. And then a gateway of freedom was opened up. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord of the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And as a church, come on, I believe the best days are ahead for us. Like we are called to be gateways of freedom, to become strongholds of freedom here. Um, I'm believing that we're going to tune in to the voice in the Spirit of God like we never have before. And I'm praying for myself that I'll do this on the street. <laughs> I just like, you know, I just like have those moments where I'm actually courageous enough to step out of my, you know, step through that fear barrier and actually speak a word for someone. Give someone light. Give someone hope. To do that, we've got to be walking in agreement with his word and his spirit. We need to, I heard speaking with Ricky Lee, I think it was last week, and she said something like that. We need to harmonize with him in our hearts and in our words and our actions. You know, when Zachariah um, is, is with his wife, Elizabeth, years before, they are praying for a son. And at that time, I believe he had faith. He had faith for a son. But when the timing was right for his prayer to be answered, you look at him and you're like, man, bro, it looks like your life had moved on. You were like, you were in the right place. You were at the temple. You were serving the Lord, but you were older and you had settled. <laughs> you weren't anticipating that the Spirit of God was going to do something fresh over your life. And, you know, thankfully, God's promises are often bigger than our responses uh, to Him. But I want to just encourage you, church. I want to encourage you that just to not settle down, to not forget the courageous prayers that you prayed five years ago, two years ago, before COVID came into your world, before everything changed, before you had to walk through a disappointment, before, you know, you just kind of like got a little bit older and you just got a little bit more, you know, like me, I'm talking to myself. You're like, well, how, how am I? Oh, I just don't want to change everything. <laughs> I want to get a little bit of security, you know, but what if God's actually calling us to do something courageous, bold, like that just pushes on this insecurities in our heart and just, you know, just make a shift. Like hey, we're, we're not called to settle down. We're called to carry the fire and the presence of the living God in our lives. So Lord, like let's give us fresh vision, Jesus. Give us a fresh touch of your fire, Holy Ghost. Let us burn bright again. And we, we just want to surrender to you, Jesus. Just 
just the stuff that is just maybe just kind of like just dampened down the flame in our hearts. Just come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I, this is an hour where the Spirit of God is calling His church to be present in His presence again. All right. I've got another passage to share and then we're going to be wrapping this up in 1 Thessalonians 5. Paul's giving his final instructions to the Thessalonians church and um, we know the scripture, right? Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. You know, holding on to what is good is, is more than just being a morally good person. It's more than just being morally righteous. That's, that's great stuff. But the Greek word for quench means do not extinguish. Don't throw a wet blanket over the Spirit of God. The manifestations and the power of the Spirit of God, the prophetic words that have been spoken over your life, don't throw a quenching wet blanket over them. You know, in the, at the church in Thessalonica, I think that's how you say it, you know, it's really likely that Paul wrote this because there was a movement going on to reduce the power and the flow of the Holy Ghost. And Paul had been fighting for this church to become established in, uh, in Thessalonica since he had pioneered it a few years earlier with Silas. And in Acts 16, it, it's, um, this, is, this is amazing because um, Paul's kind of working out where, where he's going to go. And Paul has a vision of a man beckoning him to come to that region, right? Come to this region. And then Acts 17, Paul's talking about them preaching in the synagogue and, 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 and stuff's happening, but then they have to escape the city in fear for their lives. And Paul's writing back to the church in this letter, do not quench the Spirit. He's reminding this church, the Spirit of God, that the Holy Spirit moving on their lives is subject to the climate of their own personal environment of what they do with the words and the values and the, and, the, and the prophetic promises over their lives. He's saying, hey, don't lose your wonder. <laughs> That's what Debbie and I were talking about this morning. Don't lose your wonder. The Holy Spirit can just do something in a moment, in a moment. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Reject every kind of evil. If you honor my word and my spirit, the lamp of my presence will not be extinguished. So who's the Holy Spirit to us? And how important is he to you? In John 14, Jesus says the, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. And that word advocate, that can be translated as comforter, helper, across most translations. How good is that? That each one of us has a, has a comforter and a helper to lead us 
into all truth, John 16. Let me just, I want to finish with a story here. William Blair, he um, was an American missionary in Korea in the early years of the 20th century. He was present at the great revival that broke out at the Bible conference meeting in Pyongyang in January 1907. He describes the aftermath this way. As Christians returned to their homes, taking Pentecostal fire with them, it spread to practically every church. Do that, Jesus. Schools canceled classes for days while students wept over their wrongdoings together. We had our hearts torn again and again by the return of little articles and money that had been taken from us over the years. All through the city, people were going from house to house, confessing wrongs, returning stolen property, not only to Christians, but to non-believers. A Chinese merchant was astounded to have a Christian walk in and, and pay him a large sum of money he'd obtained unjustly years before. The whole city was stirred. And a cry went out over the city. You know, could that city be Christchurch? <laughs> could that could that city be Rangiora? Same God. <sighs> Psalm 27 verse 1 starts that this way. The Lord is my light and my salvation. In whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light. This is Jehovah Uri. The Lord is my light. I wonder if we just stand just in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I just wonder if I could just lead you in a prayer right now just to um, and you don't have to repeat these words but you can you can just hear these voices in your head and and uh, I I know they're not the devil's voice right you'll be able to work that out this is just just spend this moment with Jesus oh, we just open up our hearts right now Jesus we just um, you know just take it all away, Jesus, and all we have is you. And one day we're going to step into eternity just with you, just holding your hand. And so we just want to build our lives around you, Jesus. We want to build our vision around you, Jesus. We want our securities to be attached to you not to worldly possessions, not to wrong motivations, but we just want to surrender all that to you. And we pray you'd speak to our heart today. Like David, you know, cried out in Psalm 50, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. 
restore, restore to us the joy of our salvation. But we, just, we also just pray that you would just point out anything in us that we need to put right. We want to have an ear that is tuned in, just, just highly tuned in to your, to your ear, to your, to your heart, to your whispers. And if we've hardened our hearts in any way, Jesus, we pray that you would give us by the grace to deconstruct the walls or the the, the, you know, just like our human reasoning and our logic, we just want to give you permission over our logic. Why we can't be obedient. We just want to give you permission into every gateway and space in our heart and because we just want you to build a stronghold of freedom. We want to build a stronghold of, of, of your name, that, the, that you are our light and our salvation. We pray, Father, that you just turn up that brightness in our own hearts and our own lives. Give us fresh vision again to see with eyes of faith, hope, and love the people around us, the future ahead of us, the gifts you've given us. And we receive your Holy Spirit right now. We receive a fresh touch of your presence right now. We don't want to quench your presence. We just want to receive your presence. And we just pray today for, our, for those who can't be here today. And we pray over their homes. And we pray that you'd fill every heart and every home with your incredible love that our homes would be homes of peace we thank you that you go ahead of us this week into our places of work and we just give you you know we give you our vulnerability in that space and we ask that you would give us fresh courage to be your light to be your voice to be your hands and feet and we bless we bless our region, we bless our nation, and we bless our leaders today with grace and wisdom. And we give you thanks, for you are our God, and there is none like you. Amen.